choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thomas. This week, guys, we have an outstanding conversation with the great Amy Belair. She comes on to talk about her work with the Akashic Records readings, which in her words is like a Google search for your soul, which I love that. Uh, she also has her own podcast, Third Eye Awakening, that will, of course, be linked in the show notes below. You guys, without further ado, the great Amy Belair. Today on the show, we have Amy Beller. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you and your time. Uh, you're absolutely wonderful and a delight. I've heard you. I've heard not only your podcast, which we will talk about, uh, but as well, I found you on Tinful Hat, which also a couple of other guests have been saying that they have found you on there as well. That's a cool medium for all of us to come together. And we were just talking about how cool it is that all of us podcasters kind of can come together and be on each other's shows and uh, kind of just swap ideas and information. And it's just such a cool community or a soul tribe, as we were talking about. So if you don't mind, just for my audience, those that uh, haven't discovered you yet, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Sure. So my name is Amy. I live in Ontario, Canada, and currently my uh, my gig is reading the Akashic Records for people. It's my full-time gig. I absolutely love it. It's my very favorite kind of work to do. I also uh, run programs that I channel. Um, so there, the information is not necessarily coming from me. It's coming from the Akashic Records on things like 5D magic and manifestation, how to access the Akashic Records. Um, transmuting trauma is a big one that I do a lot. And what's the other one more recently? Oh, like activating your psychic gifts. So that's what I love to do. I just really love to talk to people about how magical and amazing they are, how much they, their identity, their understanding of who they are extends so much farther than the boundaries of like this avatar in this lifetime. And uh, yeah, it's just my favorite kind of stuff to do. It's beautiful. And you do an incredible job at it. Like I said, I've heard several of your shows. They're absolutely wonderful. I will be linking, of course, to that in the show notes as well. So you guys can go find her and go check her out. She's fantastic, as well as your Instagram with your permission, your North Star. Um, So let me ask you, uh, on the work that you do, how did how did you get started doing that? Um, well, I, I always wanted to do this. That's, that's the truth. I always wanted to be psychic. And what psychic meant to me was, um, being able to offer clarity and answers to people that they didn't otherwise have access to. So I always wanted to, rather than just predict the future for my own purposes, I wanted to be able to do readings for people or do it as a service. Like I used to want to be a what's the word, you know, those, um, oh, please sketch artists. And then I found out that they're mostly computer now, oh, I <laughs> but I, I just okay. felt like I have such a gift for, I'm, I'm a gifted portrait artist. And, um, I had also a gift for like 
receiving what people are actually thinking. So like teasing out beyond their words, what the images are. So sort of a bit of a telepathy kind of energy reading thing. And I would just always spend my time figuring out like, how can I do that? But at the same time, not feeling confident in it at all. And the thing that changed it for me, like I spent like 12 to 15 years wanting to do it and not believing that I could. Uh, Cause it's not anything my guidance counselor talked to me about in high school. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not a career that anyone was like, you know what you'd be really good at Amy creating a business, reading people's Akashic records. Uh, but what really changed it was um, the experience of losing my son five years ago when he was 20 days old. So he was born prematurely and uh, the whole thing was a big, it required me to lean into my intuition so much and to lean into um, the navigating of uncertainty insofar as like, I really learned the limitations of medical science data through that experience. I already knew that it was limited. I already had that uh, sense, but, you know, to experience it firsthand um, is is different than just kind of knowing it. Yeah. So um, I just understood that, you know, my doctor, I, I had an OB who I had a previous, um, professional relationship with so I knew him really well and he he was excellent like I would have handpicked him I feel like I I lucked out and I just had um absolutely amazing healthcare providers but I also understood like they didn't have any answers for me they could not they couldn't guarantee anything they were just doing their best in the moment and part of their best is to look at the data interpret it and you know, figure and make their best guess, really. So that really bolstered my belief in uh, intuition because I understood like, okay, they don't, they don't know either. Like we have this misconception around um, anybody in the field of science, anybody that we would call an expert in more of those left brain, more structured fields. We we assume they just know things and it was very eye-opening to realize like no they don't know anything more than i do and in fact i probably know better than they do because i'm in direct connection with my son's energy his essence his soul yeah it, so it, i completely agree with you on the uh, medical field part of it and there's been several books but written about this kind of thing like uh, the holographic universe by michael talbot of course and then you've got like the uh, an end to upside down thinking which is real it's kind of along the same lines but he has other examples and it's very well written by mark gober um these types of things where they do where actual scientists are sitting there doing research and they're finding things that are contrary to what science actually tells us the mainstream science if we want to put it that way so yeah i completely agree with you that i think that that is a very untapped resource it, it's done for many motives, probably. Of course, the pharmaceutical industry doesn't want you to know how truly powerful you are because then you don't need them anymore. And of course, yeah. the old adage that uh, doctors don't get paid on curing you, they get paid on treating you. So they don't have an invested interest in even exploring other topics. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's kind of bullshit in a way because then it's just theories built on theories built on theories. And so they keep proving themselves rather than actually taking a look outside the you know, you know, inverted commas, uh, science and looking into things from a different perspective. So with your son, uh, apologies on your loss. That is, that is horrible. But the way that you've turned it into something fantastic is something I'm incredibly impressed with. So would you just please, uh, continue on with that story about your son and, and what he does for you now? 
Yeah. So he, so I learned to navigate my, in the moment, all the uncertainty of the moment through my intuition and to acknowledge the ways that he was communicating with me. Even before he was conceived, I, I started to feel his presence. And then um, during the pregnancy and after he was born, you know, he wasn't in my body anymore, but I could really feel his, uh, his energy and his aura and his strength. And then after he passed away, it was, it, I just received, like there were these little moments where I would go numb from the grief, um, you know, as one does. And it's like, he took his opportunity to blast through a message. And so the first message I got from him was in like maybe four hours after we, we let him go, we had to let him go um, because he was just kicking on. But man, like, everything in the kitchen sink was thrown at him and, and life was not going to be good for him if he kept living. So uh, we, we chose under the strong recommendations of the care team that we had uh, to remove his um, breathing support and, and let him pass away. And that was like pfft, absolutely the hardest thing for me to ever do. It's so counterintuitive to watch your baby die to let your baby die when you're everything is coded within you to protect them and ensure their survival yeah. and so um you know i was really eaten up with is this the right decision my husband was absolutely certain it was the right decision and i agree with him now but at the time i didn't have that clarity it was really challenging and so about four hours later my son came to me and he kind of, he came with this feeling of like a helium balloon rising and rising and rising and this happiness, like elation that did not match me and how I was feeling. And I knew that was him. And then he came to me a couple hours after that and said uh, that he wasn't finished with our family and he wasn't, he wasn't going to be going away or far away or anything like that. And I kept having those experiences in the subsequent months after he passed away. And I realized that they would only happen when I was in between the big waves of grief, the crushing darkness of grief. And I, so that showed me how much my own vibration affects my ability to receive information. Um, well, from him in that case, cause that was all I cared about. And so I would, you know, fine tune, I call it fine tuning my vibration, but it just means being very judicious about the thoughts I was having and the feelings it would produce and the beliefs that would then ensue. To keep myself as open as possible to receiving his communications when they came. And I also was met with this realization that nobody was going to be able to prove this for me or verify it. I had to decide whether I was going to believe in it or not. And it, it was a really easy decision actually, because on the one hand, I could believe that this is just my imagination. This is all bullshit. It's wishful thinking. He's gone. He's dead. Absolute heartbroken back plummeting down into the darkness. Or I could believe, no, he's been with me before he was conceived. He was with me through the whole pregnancy. He's with me still. He's trying to, you know, like an ex extend an olive branch sort of, and like it's the least I could do to <laughs> receive it and believe in it. Yeah. So it, it felt like actually an easy choice. And that's the choice that we all have all the time, but it took losing him and that experience for me to see with such clarity that like, we are the deciders on what we believe and what we believe is then true. So 
So, but I was still really plagued with why did this happen? And really taking like a micro level inventory of everything I had ever done, all of the ways that I'd been a shit and I'd hurt people and, you know, just things I had regretted and felt shame about and how I must have done something to deserve this. And I could tell it was, this was not a place to set up camp. Like I needed to figure out how to resolve this because it was going to change who I was if I stayed in this place. And I have an older son. So I just really felt like I had to like, you know, I had to figure this out. I couldn't, he couldn't lose his brother and his mom Mm -hmm. in a manner of speaking. Mm -hmm. So uh, one day I was working and listening to a podcast and I heard the the Akashic records mentioned and the words felt like, I don't know how to describe it. Like they just felt like magic. Like they grabbed my attention and, and it was like, Oh, what's there. I have to, I have to find out what this is. So I looked into it right away, found a program that teaches how to access it and signed up for it and learned how to do it. And I went in with my big question, why did this happen? And I got, uh, it took me a while to work up the nerve to go in, let me say that, but I didn't go in with any like tester questions. It was like the big one. And I got an answer that was so instantaneously healing and relieving. Um, It just completely changed everything and lifted the burden so that I still, of course, grieve the the things that I have lost. Like I'll never see him grow up and I won't hug him. And those things are painful. Um, of course, but I don't really feel like I've lost him. I just have a different experience with him than I do with my other children. And I don't feel like any tragedy has befallen me. I don't feel sorry for myself. All of that was lifted in that one trip into the Akashic Records and it's never come back. And I, I, I just knew I was like, oh, okay, this is real. I need to share this with people because like, wow, I I mean, I could have spent years in therapy and maybe never gotten to that place. Um, So the answer that I found, because people, of course, always want to know that, was that he, it wasn't anything that I had done in terms of my limited concept of karma or anything that my husband had done because he had the same thoughts and fears. Uh, It was actually it was the desire of my son's soul to have an experience that would sort of like bring closure to an, um, an energy that was still open, a sort of a wound an experience that still had an emotional charge around it from another life, which was um, his decision to take his own life during a war uh, experience. And he just didn't, when, when he died, in that life where he um, ended his own life, suddenly he expanded beyond the confines of his little human perspective. And the, and the human perspective was even more narrowed by the trauma and the stress and the adrenaline. Um, so he wasn't really making a decision from a clear space of lucidity. And when he died, suddenly his perspective expanded, woof, and he was able to see everything, the whole picture. And he just felt really disappointed Mm. it it just wasn't the choice he really wanted to make he felt um you know not not any fear of of being judged or being condemned or anything like that but it just 
wasn't how he wanted it to be he kind of it, it feels a little bit like that um, masculine feeling of like oh i wimped out like yeah i, yeah. I, I want to i want to like tough it out and prove that i can do this and so he, he it feels like he wanted a mulligan he wanted a do-over and he asked us if we would um if we would be his parents so that he could have that experience but get it kind of like really intense in a tiny little lifespan ripping off the band-aid and bringing closure but his his whole deal was that he was not going to end his own life he was gonna wait to be released even at the risk that we wouldn't release him right and mm -hmm. it lends itself to the idea that there are past lives and that you have, and I like how you held up air quotes, karma, because I've got some thoughts on that I wanted to ask you about. Um, it, it kind of lends its, itself to the idea that past lives do exist and that what you do in one affects the next one. Now, what happened in his life before that? Were you given information about that? No, I was given information about, well, I didn't really ever ask, honestly, okay. um, but I was given information. I wanted to know what life he and I had had together uh, that made him sure that I would fulfill my part, um, which was to love him unconditionally and want him unconditionally. And uh, he showed me a life, I think it was in Afghanistan, but I have no idea the time period because we were both children. And I don't even know if we were actually brother and sister or we just sort of adopted each other, but we didn't have any parents. Hmm. And um, we, it, there was a lot of um, like, I don't, I can't remember the word, not malicious, but, you know, like um, bands of marauding sort of uh, factions that re rebel factions, I guess, like okay. there was a lot of lawlessness, basically, and violence. And we were all I saw was the end of our life, which was that we were hiding in an abandoned uh, building somewhere in a small town um, in a very sandy, arid area. And we were discovered and killed together but uh i was the sister i was the older one and i would like hold him and sing to him and you know do my best to keep him safe and preserve his feelings of being a child uh and so that's what he showed me that we had together damn it it it's challenging too on the idea and the concept that you relive traumas from back then because that right there even if you <clears throat> have never gone through anything horrific in your own life, which I know just based on your story, but also based on your character. I know that you've gone through some shit even in this life just because of how amazing you are. Uh, but it, it's interesting in the fact that now you're reliving things from another life and having that trauma. So like I said, even if you had no trauma in this life, you've still got trauma from past lives that you have to address. And I'm I'm fascinated by the idea uh, just simply because it's it's awesome, if you think about it, uh, that you're able to tap into or that we live multiple lives and that it is that way. I'm more of a fan. I, of course, I don't know. I live in a world of possibilities, like like everybody should, right? Firm beliefs only limit your ideas and understanding. So I, I like the idea of that it's just a ride, right? And that you choose to come on this ride, and then when it's done, it's done. And that we're all God experiencing itself subjectively, and that um, we're all part of the same thing. And that it's not necessarily a school per se, it's just an experience or a ride, like I said, like Bill Hicks said. So uh, the, the concept of past lives, and of course, like you said, what you believe in is what's real. And so the the experience of having multiple realities here on this plane, and I'm, I'm shooting here, but we're going to come back to it, uh, and that you can experience different things from different perspectives. But it, it is interesting, though. So what happens in the Akashic Records? So 
first of all, tell my audience what the Akashic Records are, and then we'll we'll move on from there. Yeah, it's so for me, the best way that I understand it and can explain it is it's similar to the internet in that it's a non-physical field of information that is around us everywhere because it's non-physical and that we access it through portals. So for the internet, our portals are our devices. For the Akashic Records, the portal is our consciousness. And it's not, um, I can definitely tell that some people are drawn to it. It's their thing, like it's my thing. But that doesn't mean that those people are the only ones who are, are ordained to access this information. It's information that we all get to access. It's just like, you know, it doesn't speak to some people. Like I have no desire to become a champion ski person. Right. Not, right. You know, it's not for me, but it's not that I can't do it. It's just not calling me. And so the Akashic records belong to all of us, but there are some of us who act as portals where we're really dialed into it and we're, um, you know, open to it, to, to receiving that information. So on the concept of, uh, it's so cool. It's like uh, I remember uh, from our conversation before you said it's like a Google search for your soul. And I think that that is awesome. I think that's perfect. I And it's very well well put. So thank you. I, the, the concept, again, of the past live information, it do you are you a fan of the fact that time is all existing at the same time? OK. Are you ever able to tap into future lives that you've had? Really? Well, OK, so future lives, I mean. Yes, but it's very hard to understand and interpret that information because with the past, we have a better context. That makes sense. So it feels a lot more insubstantial, much harder to articulate. Um, it's easier even to access future points of ourselves in, in this life because you have some more context. But future lifetimes, there's it feels like the information is just so different. So many variables have changed that our brain as a temporal processing machine can't, uh, can't interpret. It just can't interpret it. So it, it's not something that I, it's more something I seem to randomly experience rather than something that I try to go into, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, with intent. I get it. That's still cool, though. So uh, what about your future? I'm just curious about what what is your future hold for you? Have you glimpsed a, a piece into that and any feelings come back or anything? In this life? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so I feel like my I what it feels like is my highest probability and my the, the intention of my soul is to live a really long life and die as an old woman um, and to continue down this path of doing this particular kind of work. Uh, sometimes I get glimpses of like a point where I just stop using words because they're hard to use and where I just do um, what I call psychic healing, where I just, I don't know, through eye contact and hugs, I can I love that. Like, figure out and move people's stuff and they just have a big, well, it's not even me. It's just, they are ready and they have a big release and they do all their own healing. And I'm just sort of like catalyzing it. And um, it feels to me like there is, when, when I look at the world right now, particularly since, you know, we connected through tinfoil hat and there's a lot of uh, dark conspiracy stuff that comes up. When I look at the world, what I feel for us collectively and for myself is that the worst case scenario that 
you know, has a lot of us afraid at some time, certainly myself is not the probable one. It's just not the probable one. So it will, it might have some, it, it feels like it's getting weaker to me every day. So it will possibly have continue to have some um, manifestations into greater extremes, but um, the consciousness of humanity is just rejecting it. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. I completely mm -hmm. agree. I'm seeing it too, especially now that we're back to 100% back here in Texas. And a lot of people fought against it. And an observation that I made um, about it, and I want to talk to you about conspiracy theories as well. An observation I made about it is it's, it seems like it started real Orwellian. And it seems like they told you what to do. And so therefore you were forced to do that. And by mm -hmm. the end of it, it was more Aldous Huxley, but where people were demanding that, right? It's like we went through 1984 and um, what's the name of the damn book? Brave New World. Thank you. Brave New World. Okay. Uh, so it's like we went through those in one year because by the end of this and just even opening up back here, it's people were losing their damn minds and they're boycotting businesses now that allow people to come in with no masks and they are losing their damn minds. But what's interesting about it is I've noticed that half of the businesses, it was about 50-50 and then people would go online and you know, those very small amount of people that with really loud voices and yeah. those, those were the ones that were losing their shit and they were saying, oh, I'm boycotting your business and people quit that worked at those establishments and it was this, it, it's just this further divide. It's this further yeah. prolonging and uh, perpetuation of this divide that's, it's, I feel designed, but that's just, that's another topic. Uh, but then you have the people who just said, nope, we're getting back to it. And then slowly but surely people were like, yes, we want to get back to it. Because again, that super loud voice, it's a very small number of people. They're just really, really loud. So they yeah. sound like a bunch of people, right? So let me ask you about conspiracy theories. Uh, what was the one that got you the first thing, the first time you can remember hearing something like that and going, maybe the government is lying to us, or maybe, you know, they're all full of shit. Yeah, it started with little ones. So my parents were both public school teachers, and it kind of started with the education system and me just feeling um when I was about 17, 18, I was like, I don't want to go to university. I'm tired. I'm tired of the, um, because I was in the academic stream to prepare for university. And I was like, I don't want to write any more papers. I want to go have an adventure. Like I want to waitress somewhere for a little while and just like, you know, whatever. And that sounds really like sort of pithy and, and like not a big deal, but I could see the reaction in this like bizarre idea that like you'll fail as a human being if you don't take this path and I was like what kind of kool-aid have you drunk I have a whole like I have nothing but advantages I am a yes. very fortunate person so why would I have to like ensure something so that was the first one and then the second one was um realizing the beauty industry and sort of waking up at some point like in my mid-20s and being like how many like potions and lotions and shampoos do I have in my bathroom? And I keep buying new ones because they all suck. They don't work. They're expensive. What is this leading to? Why do I care? And I started just really opening my eyes to the experience I was having in my girlfriends and the ways that were manipulated through the media and thinking, what if females and i know it applies to males too but this was my thinking at the time what if females um just didn't weren't manipulated in this way and we felt super beautiful as we are and confident as we are and none of our energy went into this how would humanity be different just based on that 
So that sort of primed the pump. And then when I went into the healthcare field um, as a midwife myself, that sort of was the nail in the coffin um, that allowed me to see everything this year for what it was, because I could just see just the healthcare system is nonsensical. It's pure nonsense. <laughs> Even in Canada, like people, a lot of the time Americans think it's so great in Canada because we don't have to pay for anything. And it is. That's amazing. I really greatly value and appreciate that. Uh, it's at the expense of like, you know, it's because we have your army. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, like, you don't have to worry about anything. We got you. Yeah. Let's not pretend it's because we're so great. Um, but it's, nonetheless, like working as a midwife, specifically the midwifery model of care is, it is supposed to be supporting a woman's choice, supporting woman and her family, family centering, woman centering, basically so that she can choose to have um, her baby at home or in the hospital, um, whatever, like she gets to be in the driver's seat of her care. That's not what it's like at all. It's so disingenuous. And and I believe that midwives go into it as I did with big pure hearts. And we want to do that, but we are employees of the government. We are regulated by the government. So when push comes to shove, we're answering to the government. And I just, um, I got so tired of what, like, witnessing myself throwing my clients under the bus because I had to, to protect myself. And so I was like, no, I can't do this. This isn't for me. So the government doesn't care about us is what I can realize 100% thank you preach Amy preach uh, and it is it's an institutional issue because people do yeah. go into this like uh, our soldiers in the military I have a great reverence for people who choose to go into the military I'm not a fan of the institution itself and what we do around the world and the amount of spending we trade off for that to uh, at the sacrifice of our own people I don't think we should do anything outside of our country if one person here goes with, without food uh, or shelter it's just my my opinion on it also the to do with big government and the institutions it they take more and more and more out of people and that's why it's a big challenge um, with with everything going on because it's I, I think the government has two jobs uh, keep foreign powers from bombing our, our country, right? Keep anything from happening negative like that to our country and take care of our infrastructure. Make sure our power grid doesn't fail like it just did here in Texas a few weeks ago. That right. was pretty eye-opening. Um, and make sure our bridges don't collapse because if you look at our infrastructure, it will scare the shit out of you, out of what the rating we got. Uh, and it, this is this goes for a lot of countries around the world. So that's what the government should do. Everything else, just leave up to us. Quit telling us how to live our lives. Quit telling that's us how to... You know, let us take our health into our own hands, right? Yeah. And this is the interesting part about what's been going on the last year and the way that you reacted whenever you talked about it with head and hands and all that. That is exactly how I feel about it as well. It was a very, it was a great visualization of how I feel about the thing as well. Uh, so on, on conspiracy theories still, though, uh, I think that there's levels of them, right? I think that there's fun ones like um, the Mandela Effect and Project Bluebeam, you know, fun ones like that. And then there's really deep ones that really could affect you on this level. Uh, as far as like, you know, when you look into 9-11, that's pretty, that's pretty weird. Um, yeah. Then everything, like you said, that was happening last year with the controls, with the medical field, with all of this. I, but... I heard it said that, um, I think it was Gordon White on Higher Side Chats, awesome episode. Um, I'll send it to you, actually, so you can check it out. But he was saying that um, your response to the situation is part of the situation. Your, your response to the crisis is part of the crisis. 100%. Right. So I got into this place as well, and it took me a long time. It was actually one conversation I had with my wife that was so simple, but it, it woke me up. 
And it was that I've been looking into conspiracy theories for years. And it's like Charlie Robinson from uh, Macroaggressions talks about. He calls himself a conspiracy analyst. And I love that. I think that that's a better way to put it. Uh, But it is something that the more you look into it, yeah, you've got a lot of fucking reasons not to trust your government. And yeah, there's a lot of crazy shit that goes on that will drive you nuts. And then you get to that point inevitably where you have to wake everybody up. You're like, guys, you've got to watch this video. You've got to hear this interview. Just please do the research, right? That do the research. That's one thing that we conspiracy analysts always want to put out there because it's so much. And maybe that's part of the crisis is it is so much. It's too hard to look into. Um, but then you you get to a place to where just like that that quote, your response to the crisis is part of the crisis. It they plan, and I'm going to put this in a very vague term, but they, whoever they are, plan a crisis. And then they know that a shitload of people are going to believe whatever they say and follow that. And then a bunch of other people are going to look at massive, I'll call them Easter eggs, that are out there in public for everybody to find. And you could see this in real time and you can go, no, 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 look at this. Look who paid for that. Uh, guys, wake up. And so it further divides. And so this side of things, where, where I find myself often, uh, is... It's a shitty place to be in some ways, right? Or it can be if you choose to. So the conversation I had with my wife was I was showing her all this stuff. We're looking into vaccines. We're looking at a bill, um, you know, the guy. I can't say his name because I'll censor this episode. But um, the thing about it was is that she, I said, they're lying to us. And she just looked at me so sweet and said, they always have been. And I was like, okay, got it. That was like the wake up. And then I was like, you know, and I've been saying for years, you got to just tend the garden you got. The only thing that you can handle is what's in you mentally, emotionally, physically, in your immediate space and circle and family. And that's the only thing that you really have influence on. So to worry about these things, again, it's, it's part of that crisis. So what's a fun conspiracy theory? That's, that's, your, that's the most fun one to you, that if was real or whatever that you've looked into, you just enjoyed doing the research on. Yeah, I think Antarctica. Like, I'm always so interested in that one. I'm like, what is going on there? And I really love, uh, I love the idea of hollow earth. Um, The idea of it, like, I don't know, I'm not settled. And even flat earth, I love the idea of that. Uh, That that was sort of new this year. I remember like five or six, six or seven years ago, my brother-in-law kind of like, like oh maybe the earth is flat and then he heard an argument that kind of like you know fixed it in his mind that no no no, it's a globe and so I tried to talk to him about it this year because I heard some pretty compelling arguments like those maps that like lay everything and like you know it's in the logos of all the big organizations I'm like yeah. What's up with like that? Like the UN, but, that Asimov math? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it feels, it's fun to me because it feels inconsequential. However, it's funny because people lose their mind if you ask. Like, yes. If you are even willing to entertain the possibility that possibly because I haven't verified with my own eyes that the earth is actually a globe, Thank that you. maybe it's possible that it's not, or that I just don't have a complete understanding of people lose it. Lose their damn minds. And they give you so much shit about it, which I'm fine with. I have thick skin. I don't mind. But I this was my argument. I, I actually have a good buddy of mine, and he's poor guy. He's just getting into uh, dipping his toe into what I'm all about, really. And he's just like, this is exhausting. I, I can't do this. you know. And he's so sweet. He's so funny. He doesn't mean it, but we have a good time. And so I, I actually told him, I go, I want to put the heliocentric model or the globe Earth on uh, trial with you, and I will be able to prove without a shadow of a doubt that you can't prove that the Earth is round. And I I want to do this so bad. I think we're actually going to do a show about it. We'll probably dress up and do like a courtroom Ooh, kind of thing. It'll be so good. Yeah, because you have to prove 100%. And, and what to what you said, you're not looking at it. You haven't seen it with your own eyes. You're 
hearing it from people who have lied to us since the beginning of time. So yeah. why why the hell would we even believe something as asinine as the shape and size of the earth or the what what the actual reality that we live in is, right? I mean, why not? If they're lying to us about everything else, and what if that's the big thing? That's one of the arguments is if they can lie to us about that, they fucked up your whole reality and then therefore they control everything. It, it's an interesting one and I agree with you. There was this Time again, my wife, God bless her, she is so sweet. I, I did go through about three weeks of only watching Flat Earth videos and looking into it. And I'd be like, dude, have you seen the flight paths with the airplanes? Why the hell do they do that? And why do they disappear over the Indian Ocean? What the fuck is going on? And the same thing with you about Antarctica. I find that fascinating. Now, one thing I love about the Flat Earth model or, or whatever uh, is the concept of one of the ones that's most fun to me ties in Antarctica, like you. Have you heard of the theory that if if the earth is flat, okay, and they have that sun, you know, that just spins and heats up our little area right here. You've seen the model. Uh, and what if I, Antarctica is an ice wall that's wrapped all the way around us? But my favorite part about this is if you go over that ice wall a little ways or however long, there's another world there. And if you go over the ice wall another ways, there's another world there. And there's all these different societies and existences happening on a flat plane with just ice in between it. Well, that's kind of uh, the the map of Westworld. I don't know if you've seen Westworld, but that's kind of the idea. And I feel like anytime concepts like that show up in high budget, really well produced, like high hype, but also kind of like offbeat, you know, cool um, media uh, productions like entertainment productions there there's a grain of truth there i am not sold on what that grain of truth is but it always kind of makes me be like hmm yeah like it's not just imaginary that they put that there or that they designed it this way they're always always revealing you know something of what they're up to and what what is actually going on yeah, because don't they trying be to be like, oh, that's enough. That's all that we have to tell them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then and then they do things like, you know, say that it's crazy or you're a conspiracy theorist or demystify anything that you say or belittle and then ostracize you, right? So it's just uh, uh, perception management at that point, right? Yeah. But the interesting part about what you just said is uh, absolutely they do stuff like that because they I've heard the idea that they have to tell you. And so therefore there's no karma. And again, I still want to talk to you about karma. Uh, there's no karma on their heads because they've revealed what they're really doing or what their intentions are or what the world really is. Um, and therefore the karma's on us or the earnest is on us to figure it out for ourselves because then it, it's off of their hands. They're like, oh, we told you what it was. We told you that this is what we're doing to everybody. And y'all just said it was crazy or we told you to tell everyone it was crazy. So therefore that's how we got away with it it's like that's the grand design of all of it it's this perception management element you know another interesting one um have you so game of thrones so i i was watching this with my wife back when it was a thing and the intro okay back to the hollow earth thing have you ever paid attention to that's hollow earth that's inner earth because if you look at it whenever the camera pans around and stuff number one it's a central sun in the middle with the symbols of the houses or whatever and if you look at it the horizon sweeps upwards and out like you're wow. on the inside of inner earth. I don't know if they did that on purpose. I was just telling my wife, I was like, that's the inner earth thing. It's, it's so cool. Just go watch the in, uh, the beginning credits sometime and check that out. So uh, let me ask you about uh, karma as a concept. I don't know. I'm not a fan of a, subscribe or a subscriber to the concept of karma. The reason being because I think that you do have a choice in this life as far as what you experience. And those two things are love and fear. And you operate out of those those two uh, states of existence, right? In my mind, karma 
uh, is another way of control. It's another way that somebody made up an idea or observed something and then called it an idea, and it's became become this method of control. So like, uh, let's say, for instance, uh, Christians, they go to church and they get told, if you don't this, you go here. So uh, karma, though, to me, in my mind, like I said, it operates out of fear, not love, for two reasons. You are fearful of not getting good, so therefore you do good so that you can get good, and you're fearful of returning bad, so therefore you do good to avoid bad. I'm not a fan of the concept of karma for that reason. Now, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with you completely. It, it feels like, whereas um, operating from love, so feeling like you do good because you want to do good, because that's what feels in alignment for you um is an expansive feeling it's it's moving more into our the fullness of who we are whereas making the choice do good because you're afraid of some unseen consequence that you know based on a bunch of variables that you don't have you know account for right now um where you're gonna reap what you sow so to speak um that's a collapsing in on yourself that's being less than you could be because you're afraid of what could come down the road and i think yeah it's totally a perception management thing it keeps us locked into our temporal processing machinery um and so what i found through the akashic records this was very clarifying um around karma is the concept is actually more about how do I put it? It's kind of like, it's less about what we do. It's more about the leftover emotional charge, the leftover story that didn't get resolved in a particular life. So um, it's not like, what I see is that there is no, there's nobody waiting to judge us when we, when we leave this life or any life that we're living. Uh, we, we assess our own lives. And it's not even a judging our own lives. It's just taking account of how it went and what, you know, feeling the fullness of the things that we didn't have access to from our limited human perspective. And then um, there are things that like similar to my son that we just want to try and do over a lot of the time. That's what karma is. But also sometimes it's just like, it's a little bit like a relationship that didn't get closure, you know, like in this life, you know, like we've had a relationship and it ended and there wasn't closure and it always pulls you back. Like you have dreams about it. it's weird. You feel like you're crazy. You wonder about your ex, what are they doing? You know, it's mercury retrograde and you want to text them or something like that. Some crazy stuff like that. Cause until you get that final piece of understanding, like that piece of the puzzle, it feels open. It feels undone. And that's so much what karma is like, is like, just missing missing a perspective that would just put it to rest and so when we come back we're not and we we choose things um in order to balance our karma it's not it's not a punishment it's like a desire to get that perspective that puts it to rest so we can move on to other adventures I love it. Brilliant perspective. I love that. Okay, cool. Um, Because I've asked a couple of people about this. I don't, I'm getting to have more conversations like this, but in my day to day out here, there's not really a lot of people that think this way. So I have a, I struggle a little bit with articulating these kind of ideas, but now I've been grateful enough to talk to folks like you, like Jojo, like you were talking about. Uh, And they, you guys just have some great ideas about this stuff. And it's really warm and comforting. Like I said, that we found a, a soul tribe. I love that. Uh, So tell me, tell me about your uh, podcast, uh, Third Eye Awakening. It's so cool. How'd you, how'd you get that started? 
uh, like in the most basic way ever before I was ready as we are advised to do um, with a pair of earbuds on my phone mm -hmm. and the anchor app. <laughs> so oh, okay. but yeah. it was similar. I don't have a lot of people in my um, geographically local area to talk about these things with. And I just spent a lot of time feeling like a crazy person um, based on people's reactions, but I could never, but I also felt like, I don't know, but like not crazy too. You know what I mean? Like just feeling very valid in my perspectives, but I just couldn't find anybody to, to jive with them. And so I wanted to start a podcast that just honors how beautiful and how challenging spiritual awakening is. And just to talk about all those things. And I had no idea where it was going to go or what would become of it. But, um, you know, I, I started it despite, and it was a big deal because I was very afraid of talking publicly and openly about these things and, and receiving more of that, you know, what I perceive to be rejection and ridicule, but that's not the response I've no, gotten at all. No. Turns out there's a ton of us who are geographically distant from each other, but want to talk about these things. So it's been great. That's so cool. Uh, what's one of the most interesting shows that you've had? I know, I know you, it's hard to pick because you don't want to feel, make a guest feel bad or anything like that. But as far as just clarity gleaned or anything like that, do you, do you have one in mind off the top of your head? Yeah, I had a great, actually the last episode that I just released um, with Mike Romanelli, that was a great, great conversation of the Freethinker Society podcast. And um, I think even, oh my gosh, I feel like that's all I do now is have amazing conversations with people. I really liked hearing his perspective because he came to Spiritual Awakening following conspiracies whereas i came to conspiracies following spiritual awakening so that was kind of cool um hearing trevor montavon talk about how he's managed like depression and mental illness and crohn's disease through like different mindfulness techniques was very cool oh man yeah it is hard it's hard to pick which ones stand out to me. And then I've been recording like crazy too, because I'm pregnant with an army, probably. Uh, you, you are, yeah. How many babies do you have in there? That's what I said. We were messaging the other day and it looks like- I got to get an ultrasound and find out. <laughs> you have like 17 yeah. kids in there, dude. I, it, yeah. I was saying in our message that you look like a snake that swallowed a basketball because you're so tiny yeah. and you're so thin. And then you have this gigantic horde of human beings inside of you right now. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah, so exactly. So I'm, I'm recording a ton of podcasts so that I can like keep steadily releasing them even as I you know approach birthing and after the baby or babies are born yeah. uh, so there's a ton too that I don't want to um I don't want to spoil for people but man like people's really cool experiences with like one guy was in a car accident when he was two and it changed uh like he describes it as changing the harmonics of his brain wow. and what he can experience and now he lives on this like crazy haunted piece of land that he's like i don't know what to do about this and god that's crazy yeah, that's people awesome. who have alien experiences it's just fun oh yeah yeah, yeah. I love every bit of this. This is this is great. It is it is. It's like a calling. It's pretty cool. Uh, so let me let me ask you about North Star. So tell us about that. The North Star. Yeah. Well, you're North Star 2020. Yeah. So um, well, when I was picking a a business name, I I went with the North Star because I had a friend a long, long time ago when I was still feeling crazy. Uh, he 
he, he said that if he was going to describe me, it would be stellar Polaris um, because I, he just felt like anytime he talked to me, he would like write back onto his path. And I felt like that was the greatest compliment ever. And I kind of thought that's, that's sort of the vibe that I, you know, hope to emulate in my, in my practice as an Akashic reader is to help people find their North star, like their path. Like, um, so rather than deferring to my version of the truth, I just really want to help them to, um, yeah, like hone in on the beacon of their truth. Yeah. You're giving people back to themselves. That's why I feel like I'm here. Great job. That is so cool. And I knew it was a navigational thing, but I love the way you put it. Uh, so how, when, when you look into the Akashic Records, what what's the process like with you um, on an individual level? Because I've heard you do a few readings on your show. Uh, how? Just walk us through how that feels and what that looks like. So it feels kind of like um, like I'm connecting with that person's energy. So it's a little bit like they've given me permission, and then I meld into their energy field because I believe that the Akashic Records. On one hand, I say it's like it's around us everywhere, meaning that there's this collective Akashic Records. So I think I didn't explain this properly before. There's a, a, a field of information, but in the sense that it's a Google search for your soul, is that each of us as a soul, as an individual soul, you know, we've been through so many experiences, and those experiences are recorded in this place or like the information that we glean from those experiences stays in this field. Um, and to me, what it feels like is I just meld into somebody else's energy and I can kind of connect with um, their Akashic records. So sometimes I'm just reading the current way that they feel about themselves now. And that's less of the Akashic records, more of just their energy, but then I'm getting information from their past experiences and it feels it, it doesn't really look like anything except that the information feels like it just gets dropped into my crown and then it sort of trickles down through my third eye and blooms into a picture that i use to help me describe the otherwise very abstract information yeah and but it does feel like there are record keepers who and I never see them. They just it just I can sense a presence of like they're directing me to the correct information or they're handing me like this is what they need to know right now um, in order to like really move the needle for them and shift things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know that's really vague, but the, the whole interesting point is that it's very subtle information and I've just my skill that I have developed over time is just to trust it and to like feel the difference between my brain wanting to interfere and just the direct information that I'm getting and just share from that place. Yeah. It's like you're a spiritual remote viewer. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You yeah. See something yeah, and I you have so. to... yeah. I like it. It's, it's pretty cool. I, okay. Well, what, um, what in, in your mind is one thing that humanity needs to come to terms with or even in, in on an individualistic level but on a greater level as well before we can move forward yeah i mean to not fear our shadow and not fear our trauma and that it really has to be cleaned up because where we're wanting to head like in terms of the great awakening and the spiritual ascension and stuff that gets talked about a lot um all this stuff that's being brought up right now is because it will not fit. It's not a match to that level of consciousness. So we have to take inventory of it. We have to, you know, decide what we're integrating into our 
our consciousness, our vibrational field and carrying forward and what stuff we're leaving behind. Like we just can't keep dragging this baggage around forever. And I mean that on an individual level and a collective level. So um, one of the most powerful acts of service any of us can do at all is just like get real with ourselves and heal our shit. Cause we all, we all have stuff to heal all of us. And it's a, it's an act of service um, that benefits us, but it benefits like all life everywhere, <laughs> human life and otherwise. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So let me ask you this though, because <clears throat> you, it, it comes back to, I think that, that feeling of uh, wanting to wake everybody up and wanting to unplug everybody from the matrix, to use the metaphor uh, and tell everybody, look, you're being fucked. You know, here's the conspiracy theories. They're real and whatever, wake up, wake up. So that it is the response. It, it almost feels like that responsibility is so that we can collectively ascend to this next thing. So my question really is, is that is uh, I know ascension works on an individual level, but am I responsible for waking society up? Otherwise, we all get held back here. Like, is it a collective thing we all have to do or like tip the scales in the other direction so that the frequency matches? Or is it something that once you figure it out, then cool, you're let in, you know, it's like a like a secret door or something like that. And so this person's let in and those who haven't figured it out or don't even want to look into it, they're still left back there. Is, is it that kind of split? Yeah, that's such a great question. So what I've seen is that, um, that the tipping point has already been reached. It's just, it's done. So now we're just watching it play out, um, on our, on our 3d 40 level, but we don't have a responsibility to wake anybody else up as like, even if it were like that and we needed uh, the tipping point hadn't been reached. It's, it is an individual thing. Like you said, like, Oh, Oh man, I found this. I it's, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it to demystify it a little bit. So it's like, if you imagine yourself as like a, a vibrating field like you're just vibrating and oscillating as a as a wave form or something it's like once you figure out how to adjust your wave frequency so that it's higher um higher amplitude shorter waves more like the violet spectrum than the red spectrum then you're you're gonna just progress to the next the place that we're ascending which is just a higher level of consciousness um and so we don't have to worry that everybody gets there in order to do it we all just do it for ourselves but the what i've seen is the huge majority of humanity really desires to ascend at this time even the ones who still appear to be asleep they have embedded in their lives um catalysts for awakening and every time we try to push them to awaken um it's we don't we, we really don't set them back. It can feel that way. It's just that they will, they will get there when they get there. Um, and it'll be perfect for them. And for some of them, it'll look like very, very last minute. Um, but what it does look like is a bifurcation of realities. So um, whereas we've all kind of been like, you know, melded together for a long time. It's a little bit like oil and water separating. So the higher frequency is going to experience something separate from the lower frequency. And what that looks like is that there are people, there are souls who still desire to play in the realm of extreme polarity and duality and 3D, you know, deep immersion in our avatar identity and they it's like they just have a lot to get out of that adventure still it's not really about being trapped there it it just looks that way from our perspective our ground level 3d perspective but um it's just that their soul desires to have more time in that in that playing field and 
most of us, our souls, like, okay, we've spent a lot of time here, figured it out. We're ready to go on and create uh, like in different ways. Um, but ultimately even like the, I, I hate even using the term darkness because you know, the nighttime is dark and that doesn't make it evil, but the darkness, the darkest of the dark is still part of the whole. And, um, it like, we all return to source at some point. So they're just taking a longer detour. Okay, good. Cause I was, I, I, I like, it's comforting the way you put it. Cause that's how I felt anyway, but I just wanted to make sure and, and hear it from you. Uh, because it does feel like if, if it is on us to wake people up, it, number one, I don't think that that's anybody's responsibility, right? It, the information comes to you it, because again, I, I want to believe that it's a ride, right? It, it, we're all here just to experience life and whatever we want. Uh, but it is interesting because yeah, as we all are ascending, you guys enjoy the 3d thing. We're going to go uh, play over here in 5d or even higher. Uh, I like the K by element to it. You know, <laughs> I think that that's great. <laughs> yeah. like, LOL. Bye. Yeah. Um, it's been fun playing. Right. Yeah. yeah. You guys enjoy. <laughs> yeah. We've taken enough laps. We're going to, we're going to shag ass here. So let me ask you this though. What do you, what's like your concept of reality? Cause I know that everybody's reality is subjective and, and what you experience is what you perceive and, and all of those things. What do you think this, this place is? And I'm, not to put you on the spot or anything. It's not about that. Just talking about ideas here. I think it's a simulation, but I don't think it's a simulation like the matrix. I think that there is a, a false matrix overlay that, you know, like um, controls or influences our perception. But ultimately, this realm, I believe, is like a beautiful organic simulation insofar as it's super responsive to us, mm -hmm. way more than we realize. Like, I'm just still learning how to, you know, like fine tune that dial and like see what what I can experience as a result of that, of controlling my own inner settings. And it's amazing. It continues to blow my mind all the time. So I think we're in this beautiful simulation that is kind of like, almost like the physical world is a green screen experience insofar as ultimately we are um, interpreting energy through our five senses as electrochemical signals. And then all of that interpretation is happening in this dark, silent chamber, you know, where no light gets in, in our brain. And then somehow we interact with it in the outside world. So I think we are these amazing projectors, like we receive information, process it, and then project it back out onto a green screen. And it's a little bit like a video game that like ultimately the video game is just code. It's all code, but we interpret the, or the, the processing software interprets the code and turns it into a, a picture, an environment. So I think that's what's going on. But I also don't think that like, I don't think the earth exists uh, only in our heads. I think it exists independently, but we just react to it and um, it responds in way more flexible ways than we realize. We just assume it's all just like, it's real, it's factual, it's solid. So yeah, it's an Al Albert Einstein thing. Reality is an illusion, albeit a persistent one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I like it. I like that concept a lot. Um, an interesting thing that I was thinking of, too, because to the simulation part of it uh, and the video game part of it, the way you described it was wonderful. I've never heard it said that way. Uh, I, I think that maybe we're it is a, basically a video game or like a ride, like I said, but more of a video game to where you unlock different levels here and that you kind of because you and I experience reality on a different level. We're not worried about this 3D thing, you know, not that better than we're just on different levels. And yeah. so the ascension, I don't want to 
take anybody who's in a different level and make them. I'm not a level cyst. Okay. Right. I, I just, I not hierarchical. That's right. It's just different. Okay. But it, it feels like then you unlock different levels to the simulation and then you kind of level up a little bit in the sense that now you're experiencing more of what you choose, not what's better for everybody. Because like you said, you don't want to be a snowboarder, but you, you could if you wanted to, right? Uh, it's it, what you choose is what you can have and operate in. And I think like you, I've been playing a lot with the idea of manifestation and creating my reality. And one of the ways that I did that, uh, I saw a video on TikTok, actually, my wife finally got me on TikTok. Uh, it's actually pretty cool because there's some, there's several things on there that if you, if you start liking and clicking, the algorithms are pretty spot on, you know, it'll only give you this stuff and not this other stuff. But there was one that talked about parallel worlds theory. And I talked about this, um, on the, on Paul Wilson's show that he was just on, um, and it's basically a hack that you do to hack your reality. And it's interesting in the way that, because if you think about like what you said about the quantum realm, but what you observe is all you can see. I don't know what's going on out there. I can see what's going on outside that window, but just to the left of that or to the right of that, maybe nothing's rendered there, right? Um, but it's interesting because in the shower, so you get in in the shower in the morning, okay? And if you say, okay, my reality was this reality, it's a multi-worlds type of an idea to where you could shift your consciousness between parallel infinite realities where all of them are slightly different. But what you do is you control the one that you shift into so that it more aligns with your goals where opportunities are just tsunamis now pushing you forward instead of these current horribles and, and obstacles, right? So what you do is you get in the shower, uh, you close that curtain or the door or whatever, and all you can see is this reality. You're in this small space with the water and everything. And then you say before you turn the water off that you're stepping into a greater, grander version of who you really are. You're stepping into this reality where blank, right? Where I'm a, a bigger part of my dreams or whatever. Well, things align better for me. And then you turn the water off and you step out into a new reality. And it's fascinating how that kind of stuff happens and it's so much fun it's maybe something that people out there want to try be deliberate with it though be uh, realistic you know about what you really really want and just ask for it and just step out into that world yeah i love that i i think that's such a brilliant uh i don't know like hack i guess like you said a brilliant sort of like playful light but super effective game that you play um to bypass your own conscious bullshit that keeps you in like the you know that stream where you feel blocked and full of obstacles everywhere right and like switch you over into the equally totally accessible one of no everything is working out like shit's just pouring into my life and you know like blossoming everywhere like those are equally accessible but if we have conscious strong identification with our yeah but stories yeah then then we're not going to access it and that's a brilliant way to yeah to like just switch totally like going through a portal or stepping out into a different world a different it. reality it's fun are you gonna try this now i'm totally gonna try it <laughs> like i said not my idea i've just been implementing it because a lot of in it and i'm a big fan of synchronicities that's how these things work you know um and, and so it's one of those things that when it did pop up, I was just like, huh, and you know, there's short little videos. But there's, like I said, it's some dope shit on there. Um, it's it's not all crazy kids dancing and shit like that. Uh, you can actually find some pretty interesting things that, uh, that are interesting. So uh, yeah, but try it out, it's a lot of fun. Uh, then you just step out into this new reality, you know? It was like, um, I did that and then, uh, what was it? Oh, the first day I did it. Um, I stepped out into my new reality and I got a, uh, email from Neil Donald Walsh's, uh, assistant that he's going to come on the show and talk about his new book. You know who that is? 
yes. conversations with God, right? Yeah. I was uh, like, okay, this reality is dope. Let's just keep it rolling here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just, because that's the guy, that book, the first uh, conversations with God, that's what changed my perception on everything. It came to me right at the right time. I read it. It was warm. I was just like, hang on, there's other concepts out here. And I was just like, okay, well, now I got to explore those. There's two books that have done it for me. That one in the Four Agreements by Domingo Ruiz. So um, it, it's interesting. And I like the life hack because uh, that's a further way that you do control your reality. And then uh, Paul and I were also talking about the blue car analogy. So it's about what you pay attention into you, into your reality. And this is observable by everybody, the, even the ones who say that this is woo-woo and horseshit. That's fine. But what you do is, is that you think about a blue Tesla was his example. And he said, you know, and now you see blue Teslas everywhere because now it's on your radar, right? Um, I call it the Lego piece. When I was a kid, you know, and I still play with Legos, I'm not ashamed of it. They're great. Um, Me too. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, but I just like the concept of it. Anyway, uh, but it was the Lego piece idea because, you know, eventually all of your sets end up into that great big Tupperware thing and you're digging through it and you're looking for that four by four piece and you're like, damn it, I know I have hundreds of these. What the hell? And you go, and you know what? I'm going to move on to this other piece and I'll look. And then you move on to the two by twos. All you see are four by fours now, the original piece you were looking for. And you can do this in real life. And so I asked him, I was like, so instead of replacing the concept of car, like now you only see blue cars because they're on your radar. What if you exchange that word for the word opportunity? And so now all you see are opportunities. And then now your world and your reality is consumed with opportunities. You don't have room for bullshit. Uh, it's, it's a fun way to play with your reality. And I encourage anybody to do it. Yeah, I, I agree with that so much. And I mean, it is, it is verified, right? But it's, it's so cool when you really integrate it into your own understanding and then start to see the results in, in your experience as you move through life. But like, I feel like our attention is such a powerful currency. Like it's the most powerful currency. And what we put our attention on is what we, what blooms. And that's like really as simple as it is. The, then there's the other part where we have to like deal with our yeah, but stories. That's harder. Uh, but it kind of lends to that question or that, that statement that you made like way kind of towards the beginning of the conversation around conspiracies of how like the way that react we react is part of the um the plan or whatever right it's because our attention is so powerful the currency of our attention is what charges up all these sigils all these rituals all these things and that's what causes us to then render the reality that they would like us to render that's why we are fed all this imagery on television all these subliminal messages why our freaking concept of love is so codependent and pain-filled like that's what just keeps getting like strummed and strummed and strummed through music through entertainment media it's because all of these things are really powerful and if they keep us um continuing to reproduce disempowering experiences then it's easier to continue to manipulate us so to that end, I kind of got to this point a while ago where I said to my husband, and he was pretty much in the same place. I was like, you know, I feel like I've gotten all the information I need. I'm up to speed on the conspiracies. Like every now and then I'll dip my toe in to like keep current of what what's going on. But like, I don't care that Bill Gates has bought all the farmland. That doesn't mean that, you know, I don't think that there's, oh, I'm not supposed to say his name. Shit. That's Sorry, okay. Uh, that out. You're good. I don't, I don't think that that means like, you know, it might sound like somebody might accuse me of having a, a privileged sort of ability to say that because I'm in Canada. But similarly, like our 
prime minister is not doing cool things right now. No, but I'm no. like, what if I just don't care and keep living my life and look at my beautiful daughter and like feel the spring coming and connect with all these amazing people that are coming into my world. What if I give all my attention to that and let these gigantic toddlers have their temper fit over here and I just don't feed them any of my energy and my attention and my currency and create the reality that I want to experience. So well said. So fucking well said. You nailed it. Uh, because I have gotten to the same exact place. Yes, it's cool. And if you want to talk about whether the moon landing was fake or not, we could splinter off into those concepts. And I will talk about it for you because I'm well versed in those things because I did look at it for a long time, but just like you. And it's brilliant the way you said it. It's cool that we're having this conversation now because we booked this, what, like a month ago? Yeah. And so, but if we'd had this conversation a month ago, I wouldn't have had that life hack. I wouldn't be in the spot. Uh, so it's all that divine timing. And I love this reality. I'm having such a blast here. This is so much fun. So, but it, it's just like you said, it's just let the toddlers go play with their their toys over there. That's fine. Because it does. It, it robs you of the only thing that you have control over, which is how you spend your time. And I love that you said that attention is currency. Completely agree. And you know, I've been saying for a little bit now, uh, as I've been detaching from those ideas, that if we are as a society, however we're doing it, marching towards totalitarianism, we're not there yet. And the only thing that you can do is how you spend each day and each moment and how you cherish each thing that happens up until that point. Again, in Texas, we got the saying, borrowing trouble. And if you're worried about the future and you're worried about anything in general, because worrying is like a rocking chair, gives you something to do, doesn't get you anywhere. But it it is something that robs you of the most valuable currency you have, which is your attention, which is your love. And that's something that you could be spending time with your spouse or your partner, uh, with your children, uh, with your animals, with your dog. Go play with your dog, dude. Fuck totally. that Bill Gates go guy. Just, talk. Thank you. Yes. Go, go outside. There's a whole dope world going on out there. Go take <laughs> some mushrooms and go to the park or something, you know? Uh, well, I, I love the concept. I think it's wonderful. I, I think you're amazing. I think actually, um, if you want, we can go ahead and wrap it up here uh, because I want you to have a little bit of a break in between your call. I know that you jumped on one to jumped off one to come on this. So take a little break. Go spend some of that valuable attention currency with your family for a little bit before your before your next commitment. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, I am looking forward to being um, to talking with you again. And uh, if you don't mind, just for the audience here, uh, let them know where they can find you. Yeah, the easiest places to find me are my Instagram, which the handle is at the North Star love. Um, and my Facebook group, Soul Space, uh, that's where I just kind of show up at least once a week and go on a random rant and answer questions and things like that. Um, and Third Eye Awakening podcast. Those yeah. are the places to find me. Yeah. Perfect. And I'll link all of that in the show notes. So if you guys, you don't have to go Google or hunt that thing down. It'll all be right below in the show notes. Just go down there, click on it. You know how to do it. Uh, Amy Biller, thank you so much. This was so wonderful. You are an absolute delight. I, you're welcome anytime. You're part of the Soul Tribe now. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this a lot. And it was, a, it was a huge joy. I'm looking forward to shortly talking with you again soon. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. incredibly grateful to get Amy Beller on the show. Thank you so much, Amy. That was an absolute blast. You guys check out her podcast, Third Eye Awakening, linked below in the show notes, as well as her Instagram as well. It's fun and she's awesome. So uh, for this show, you guys could find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, the YouTube uh, video of this will be up on YouTube at Expanding 
reality. Uh, you guys go check that stuff out. If you want to contact the show directly, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing feedback from you guys. Y'all are so sweet. So thanks again for everything. You guys take some of that information, apply it to your everyday life. Go out into the world, pick up a piece of litter, get the hell out of the left-hand lane. Uh, Just be good to one another. That's it. Just y'all be good to each other. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.